Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everybody, welcome into the show. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and you are listening to the Cherry Picking Podcast. This is my week 12 college football recap, and then I'll also preview week 13. But how I usually start this is I will recap my top five locks for week 12 action. This week I went four and one, so that's been an improvement since my last couple of weeks doing these locks. Overall, I'm 41 and 19 when making these predictions straight up. So I'll just recap for you here. In the ACC, we had Notre Dame over Georgia Tech. Notre Dame blew the brakes off of Georgia Tech and Jeff Collins by a score of 55 to nothing. This was a huge win for the Irish, who posted 514 total yards on offense, including 212 yards rushing. Irish quarterback Jack Cohen completed 15 of 20 passing for 285 yards and two touchdowns. So a pretty stellar performance by Jack Cohen. The Irish defense also accounted for two turnovers in this game. They had six sacks and 10 tackle for losses. D-lineman Howard Cross III accounted for two of those sacks, so the defense was getting after it like gangbusters on Saturday against Georgia Tech. The Irish have now posted its fifth straight 10-win season with the victory on Saturday, and they have an outside shot of making it into the playoffs. They have a a 10-1 record right now. They are looking like they could potentially beat Stanford this weekend. Stanford is 2-7. They are going in the wrong direction. Stanford started the season 3-2. They had an impressive couple of wins against ranked teams, including number 14 USC at the time and then number 3 Oregon. But since that stretch, they went 0-6. So this should be a pretty easy win for the Irish this upcoming weekend to make them 11-1, which is a great record. Brian Kelly is a great coach. They have a shot of making it to the playoffs, so we'll have to see how things shake out. But a good win for Notre Dame. I got a win in the ACC, Notre Dame over Georgia Tech. In the Big Ten, I had Penn State over Rutgers. Penn State handled Rutgers no problem, 28-0. And this was a big day for freshman quarterback Christian Veyu, who stepped in for an injured quarterback, Sean Clifford, The freshman signal caller completed 15 of 24 passing for 235 yards and three touchdowns. So a very great performance by a freshman for Penn State this past weekend. The Nittany Lions defense did its job well on Saturday. They limited the Rutgers offense to only 160 total yards, including 67 yards rushing. So great day for Penn State. I get the victory there in the Big Ten. In the Big 12, I got a victory here when West Virginia beat Texas by a score of 31-23. to Quarterback for West Virginia, Jarrett Doge, threw three touchdown passes and Letty Brown rushed for a buck 58 and a score to lead West Virginia to a 31-23 victory. They handed the Longhorns their sixth straight loss and eliminated them from bowl consideration. Texas is now 4-7, and 2-6. and six. They just simply couldn't overcome another double-digit deficit. The Longhorns will finish with a losing record and will miss a bowl for the first time since 2016. The losing streak for Texas is its longest since it's dropped eight in a row back in 1956. My daddy wasn't even born then. That's that long ago. So I got a win there with West Virginia beating Texas. 
And then in the Pac-12, I got another victory here. UCLA beat USC handedly by a score of 62-33. to UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson passed for 349 yards and four touchdowns while rushing for two more scores. And UCLA was able to reclaim the victory bell with a 62-33 victory over USC on Saturday. Kazmir Allen made two touchdown catches. He also returned to kick off 100 yards for another score in the highest scoring performance ever by the UCLA Bruins in 91 editions of the City Rivalry Game between USC. So that is outstanding. Kyle Phillips also caught two touchdown passes as UCLA beat the Trojans for the first time since 2018, and they won at the Coliseum for just the second time since 1997. My God. The Bruins' 62 points tied the record for the most ever allowed in USC's storied football history. UCLA will be headed to its first bowl game since 2017, which is wild because UCLA, in my opinion, should should be a team that is always competing for bowl victories. They should always be going to bowl games. And they haven't been there since 2017. It just tells you how bad things have been. Chip Kelly seems to have turned a page in that history for his tenure as a head coach there. So maybe this is forward momentum for Chip Kelly. We'll, we will have to see. If we look at USC, who's going to be the new head coach there? They've been going with an interim coach. Who are they going to go with as the head coach? I was listening to the college game day this past weekend. Some folks on the on the round table there thought that Brian Kelly could be a fit. Brian Kelly, the Notre Dame head coach, I think Kirk Herbstreet said that, that he would be a good coach there. I, I actually agree with him. I think he'd be really good for USC because I do wonder how much more he can do at Notre Dame. He certainly, in that program, certainly would love to have a national championship again. I'm not sure Brian Kelly is able to do it in this current state of college football with these current teams, these these powerhouses in the SEC. I, I don't know if he has enough to beat an SEC team in the playoffs and win a national championship. It'd be something to see. It would be good for college football. It'd be great for Notre Dame. But I feel like Brian Kelly has done a lot already. This is his fifth straight 10-win season. He's gone to the playoffs a couple of times. They've been to the national championship before and lost to Bama. How much more can he do? How much more success can he have? I'm not sure, but I think he'd be good for USC. I also think that Luke Fickle would be good at USC. Earlier this season, there are rumors that Luke Fickle was a, a coach of interest for USC. I'm really curious to see what Luke Fickle is able to do because I think the Cincinnati Bearcats will make the playoffs despite how hard the committee is trying to hold them out and keep them out of this. I think the Bearcats will make it to the playoffs. I think they will win a game. I think they could truthfully win a game in the playoffs depending on how it shakes out and the other teams, of course. But offensively, that team is loaded. And I think they could hang. I really do. I think they could hang better than an Oklahoma team in recent memory. I, I would be interested to see what the Bearcats can do, and I'm excited for them to make it to the playoffs. A group of five team make it, making it in for the first time. That'd be huge. But after that, does he stay at Cincinnati? I, I'm not so sure. I think you kind of reached the heights 
of where you're going to go with a Cincinnati by making it to the playoffs. I think there's got to be something else for him. I don't know if he's waiting for a job in the Big Ten to open up potentially, but I could see Luke Fickle in LA with USC. But I guess we'll find out in a couple weeks here once the season is truly done before we get to the bowl games. We'll potentially know what's going to happen, who's going to go where for some of these college football openings. If you follow me and you follow my latest podcast, Temple is a program that might be considering some changes. I can't say that factually, but a lot of fans close to that program would love to have a change there. So what's going to happen this offseason with Temple? There's been some other openings across college football. I'm, I'm really curious what's going to happen. USC is a job that is in in high demand, I would think. I mean, that's a destination job for somebody. And I'm curious to see who's going to land in that spot. Will it be Brian Kelly? which almost seems sacrilegious to have Brian Kelly there, but I could see him at USC and being successful. Pete Carroll, I mean, the Seahawks are what, three and six right now, something like that. Is Pete Carroll of interest to go to USC? Would he want to go back? You know, I don't know, but definitely keep your eyes on that USC job because it'll be interesting to see who they put there uh, as the next head coach. But anyways, back to my top five locks. We'll round this out in the SEC My only loss this week was in the SEC. I had Auburn beating USC, the other USC, South Carolina. But the Gamecocks won 21-17. Auburn had dominated early, and they jumped out to a big lead, 14-0. But then they saw that lead dissipate as their defense just simply couldn't hold on. Auburn loses this game despite outgaining South Carolina offensively. Auburn has now lost his third game in a row, even though Tank Bigsby... That's a, that is a powerful football name, Bigsby, Tank Bigsby. The running back ran for a season best, 164 yards on 22 carries. So he had a great day despite the fact that the Tigers lost it. South Carolina, if we look at them, quarterback Jason Brown posted a 10-15 and 15 passing performance for 157 yards and one touchdown. And his running back, Zaquandre White, accounted for 168 yards of total offense with one touchdown. So with this victory, that means first-year head coach Shane Beamer has now earned his first bowl berth for the Gamecocks, and I'm sure that's got to be a pretty great feeling, especially considering South Carolina went 2-8 in 2020. So that's a, a huge turnaround for this program, great win for Shane Beamer and his program, and a great boost for recruiting and for what they're going to try to accomplish this offseason and, and getting better. But shout out to the Gamecocks for winning this weekend. It sucks for me. I I lost there. But that's cool that South Carolina became bowl eligible. So those were my top five locks in week 12 action. I went four and one. Overall, I'm 14 and 19. This week, I'm going to try to get them all right. And I will talk about those predictions at the other side of a break. But before we get to a break, let's talk about some other games from this past weekend that had my interest. So we had Clemson beating Wake Forest by a score of 48-27. Kobe Pace ran for a career-high 191 yards and two touchdowns as the Clemson Tigers won their 13th straight over number 13 Wake Forest, which delays the Demon Deacons run to the ACC Atlantic title with that victory on Saturday. Will Shipley also had 112 yards. He surpassed the 100-yard mark on the ground. He also had two touchdown runs. 
Shipley also threw a two-yard jump pass touchdown to Davis Allen. So the Clemson Tigers look like their former self for the first time probably this season. And they dominated a Wake Forest team that is at the top of the ACC Atlantic standings right now. So that's a great boost for Clemson. Clemson, which won its 34th straight home game, also kept its hopes of a seventh straight trip to the ACC title game alive with that route of Wake Forest. It was the Tigers' first win over a ranked opponent in four tries this season and the most points it had scored against a Power 5 team. So that's a great win for Clemson, a great boost. Clemson needs a little bit of help. They need, certainly they need Wake Forest to lose this upcoming weekend against Boston College. But then Clemson also needs NC State to lose against North Carolina for them to have an outside shot of winning the Atlantic. And then Clemson, of course, has to win their game as well this upcoming weekend. So Wake Forest right now remains in the divisional driver's seat and can make its first championship game appearance in 15 years by beating Boston College this Saturday. So I will be the biggest Boston College fan there is this entire week. I need Boston College to stop Wake Forest from winning this game this upcoming weekend. Go Eagles. Like, come on now. Let's go Boston College. We're all rooting for you. Get it done. We also had this weekend uh, Miami beating Virginia Tech. They limped to a 6-5 and five record. Is that enough to save Manny Diaz's job? I feel like this guy came in, made some big promises, energized the program at the time. But it has been pretty lackluster. There was high expectations for Miami this season. And limping to a 6-5 record doesn't seem that exciting to me. Does he keep his job? I, I really don't know. I don't know if he should keep his job or what the future would hold if he does. I, I'm just asking straight up. I don't know if he keeps his job. I think going to a bowl game certainly is a, a big win. I think for him to feel a little bit more comfortable, certainly needs to win this upcoming weekend, and then also probably needs to win the bowl game for him to feel some sort of comfort level that he has kept his job intact for another season. But we shall see. I feel like there's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of, of open jobs in a few weeks here, and we will see if Miami is one of those jobs that will become vacated so time will tell there but virginia tech loses and of course virginia tech will need to fill its head coaching position as well so there's going to be some shifting and shuffling this offseason so I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens with the miami job and then we certainly had number four ohio state embarrassing number seven michigan state 56 to 7 mel tucker had signed i think had signed that 10-year deal like $91 million or something crazy like that. The ink had probably dried before this game kicked off because this was a straight-up beating. 56-7. Ohio State outgained Michigan State 655 to 224 yards. The Buckeyes' defense also held the potent Kenneth Walker III and eliminated his Heisman chances, I'm, I'm sure. But at least he'll get a free trip to New York out of it. I mean, he had a great season. He should... He should go to New York City to watch the Heisman Trophy ceremony, but I think he just ruined any sort of shot he had this uh, past weekend, Ohio State did. But Michigan State was held to only 66 yards rushing for the day. Kenneth Walker III came up with only 25 yards and six carries. I think he even was pulled out of the game. 
I was doing a little bit of community service that day, just volunteering at a local mosque down the street from where I live. When I had a break in giving out turkeys, which was cool, I saw the the halftime score was like 40-something to nothing, I think is what I saw. I mean, goddamn, they got beat pretty bad. That's pretty embarrassing. I don't even know if the team showed up. I I don't even know. I didn't watch that game, but that score told me everything I needed to know. That Michigan State wasn't real. I thought they were. They were fun team to watch the first part of the season. They're putting up some crazy offense. But if you get embarrassed that way to Ohio State, you don't even deserve to be ranked as high as you were. And I'm sure they're going to drop a little bit. But yikes, man. That was a beatdown. Buckeyes quarterback C.J. Shroud, he did have a Heisman-like performance against Michigan State. He passed for 432 yards on 32 for 35 attempts with six touchdowns. So C.J. Stroud moves his name up in the Heisman forecast, the Heisman predictions. He's got to be up there with some pretty good odds right now. So that was pretty embarrassing if you're a Michigan State fan. That was a head-scratcher because I thought it'd be a lot closer than it was, but good golly. 56-7, 56-7, to seven, damn. Then we had number three, Oregon. They got whooped by number 23, Utah, 38-7, to seven, which is just as bad. The win by Utah dashed the Ducks' hope for the playoffs. The Ducks' loss likely ensures that the Pac-12 will not have a representative in the college football playoff for the fifth straight season, with Washington's appearance at the close of the 2016 season being the last for the league. With the win, the highest-ranked victory at home for the Utes, Coach Kyle Whittenham is now the program's all-time wins leader with 142 victories. He surpasses Ike Armstrong, who led the program from 1925 to 1949. So that is a great win for the Utah Utes. Then we also had in the SEC, I I saw the last seven minutes of this game, Arkansas versus Alabama. This was close to the very end. Alabama holds on to get the 42-35 victory. Their quarterback, Bryce Young, passed for more yards than any Alabama quarterback ever had in a game. So the second-ranked Clemson Tide needed that performance to stay alive. They needed every bit of that offense to stay alive. Bryce Young, as I mentioned, he passed for a school record 559 yards and five touchdowns as number two Alabama clinched a spot in the Southeastern Conference Championship game with that victory over number 21, Arkansas. I have not been disappointed in the effort by Arkansas this season. This team played hard all season. And so I hope they don't tumble out of the top 25 because they are arguably one of the best top 25 schools out there this season. I truthfully mean that. I think Arkansas played well all season. They're a tough team and hopefully the future looks bright for Arkansas next season. But Man, they almost took out Alabama. I'm sure a lot of people want Alabama to be out of the playoff discussion. They play Auburn this weekend, which shouldn't be much of a uh, contest for Bama, even though it is Iron Bowl. But I think Alabama is getting ready for that Georgia matchup, and we'll see what will happen in that game. I really am curious if Georgia beats Alabama, would that eliminate them from the playoff discussion? Or is a two-loss Alabama team better than an undefeated Cincinnati team in the committee's eyes? I, my, my brain says that Bama shouldn't be included in the playoff discussion if they have two losses. But I just don't know if that's actually going to happen. 
because my heart kind of says Bama would still beat some teams in the playoffs, even with a two-loss record. But is it fair? You know what I mean? Is that fair to have Alabama get into the playoffs with two losses when you have an, a one-loss Notre Dame team? We have a undefeated Cincinnati team who, even though they play out of the American, they are undefeated. Knock on wood, up to this point, they are undefeated right now. So I just, I'm curious how it's going to play out here at the end of the season. And I hope Georgia can handle its business and remain undefeated this season, beat Bama, because I would love to see Georgia as the number one team, undefeated, make it to the playoffs, just to have some sort of parity in college football. I don't want Bama to continue blowing teams out, to continue going to the playoffs, to continue winning championships. I want to see something fresh. So we'll see how it shakes out. We'll see what the committee decides to do because, honestly, I have no idea what they're going to do. Then in other news, as reported on ESPN, Dan Mullen is out at Florida. Did you see this? As reported on ESPN, Dan Mullen was fired as Florida's football coach. Greg Knox, the running back coach at Florida and special teams coordinator, will fill in as interim coach. An all-staff meeting was called for 1 p.m. Eastern and a team meeting for 1.30 the Gators have lost four straight games to Power 5 opponents and are 2-9 and nine against Power 5 teams, dating back to the final three games of the 2020 season. Mullen was in his fourth season at Florida, had the Gators in the SEC Championship game last season, but they need to beat Florida State on Saturday to avoid a losing season. The Gators are currently 5-6, and 2-6 six, six in the SEC. So Mullen finishes with a 34-15 and 15 record. He has a buyout of $12 million and he is owed $6 million within 30 days of being fired with the remaining $6 million to be paid out yearly in $1 million payments. So man, that's some big news out of Florida. We all probably saw that coming. The writing was on the wall, but man, shout out to Dan Mullen who in 30 days, (laughs) who received $6 million, which will be right in time for the holiday season. Man, what I could do with $6 million, the gifts I could buy for my family and friends. So it kind of sucks that he loses his job at Florida, but man, I'll take $6 million in 30 days. Yo, give me all that money. And then he'll get some money uh, each year. He'll be paid out $1 million each year for the remaining $6 million. This guy is doing okay. But that's big news out of Florida. That, That sucks for the Gators. The Gators had high expectations, high hopes. For this season and they lose the way they do this season. They just are not looking too good. <laughs> the future is not looking too bright for the Gators right now. Then we've got first year head coach Steve Sarkeesian. Is he in trouble at Texas? First year Texas head coach that is. Texas is looking pretty bad. They went 4-1 and one to start the season. Since that time the Longhorns have dropped 6 straight. Including the disappointing loss to Kansas at home. Last game of the season and uh, this weekend is against seven and four Kansas State. So, yeah, I don't I don't know how that bodes. If you lose against Kansas State, you finish your season off with seven straight losses. If folks around that program would want to keep him there, I'm not saying he's in trouble because he did just get there, but it's not a good look. Man, we had a lot of action this past weekend. Week 12 football, we had a lot of news out of college football this this past weekend. So. It's a lot. It's a lot. But I think I need to take a little break. After the break, we'll get into the Week 13 locks. We'll talk about some other games this coming weekend and some other news around college football. So don't go anywhere. The Cherry Picking Podcast will be right back. 
Stay up to date with the latest in Major League Baseball with the End of the Shift Baseball Podcast. Are you tired of the same old way baseball writers complain about the new changes in the game? Well, this is not the show for you. The End of the Shift Podcast with a modern take on what makes baseball great. And the ball will be hit into the shift. They get an out. It's only because of that shift. And they do. That's why you follow the numbers. Join co-hosts Max Gross and Kyle McRaby for weekly updates every Sunday night. Or find us on Twitter at Into the Shift Pod. It's the Into the Shift Baseball Podcast. Want to know what life is really like after the game is all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts join the show, and there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration, plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Cherry Picking Podcast. Now we'll get into my week 13 locks. It will start off here in the ACC. I'm taking NC State over North Carolina. You got to go big or go home. NC State's my team. I'm right for these Wolfpack. NC State was 9-3 against North Carolina from 2007 to 2018, but the Wolfpack have lost the last two meetings. NC State needs this win this weekend. I need NC State to win against North Carolina this weekend to have an outside shot of winning the Atlantic. And if it's any consolation, NC State beating UNC would fill my heart with so much joy, so much happiness. Even if NC State doesn't make it to the ACC championship game, a win against North Carolina would mean everything this Thanksgiving holiday. So NC State, you got to win against North Carolina in order to have an outside shot of winning the Atlantic, taking the Wolfpack over North Carolina. Then in the Big Ten, I'm taking Michigan over Ohio State in the big game. Michigan has gone 1-7 against Ohio State since 2005, with their only win during that stretch being 40-34 in 2011, which is a very long, long time ago. Last year, these two teams did not play for the first time since 1918, so that is a long-ass time ago. But I'm taking Michigan, if nothing else, because I want to see if Michigan can finally beat Ohio State. I don't know if they can, truthfully. I mean, I'm picking them to win. But Ohio State has looked very well. They look like a team on a mission. They look completely different from their first two, three games of the season. So shout out to Ryan Day for that and shout out for the team for making improvements each week, getting better each week. Ohio State looks like a really dangerous team. I'm taking Michigan just for the the sake of it, for the hell of it, because it would be cool if Michigan can finally beat Ohio State. But we'll see. I'm going to be locked and loaded for that game. I'm going to be ready to go to watch Michigan over Ohio State. Then in the Big 12, I'm taking ISU over TCU. As Big 10 opponents, ISU is 4-5 and five versus TCU. ISU has won three of the last five games straight up against TCU, so we shall see if history is on ISU's side this weekend. ISU over TCU. Then in the Pac-12, I'm taking Notre Dame over Stanford. Notre Dame, if you can believe it or not, is only 2-2 two and two against Stanford in the last four matchups, but these teams are headed in the opposite direction, my friends. Notre Dame, 10-1 and one right now. Stanford is looking pretty bad. They're 3-7 and seven right now, currently. 
I'm not saying that David Shaw should be in any trouble. This is his ninth season at the helm for Stanford, but he's had two losing seasons in the last three years. He went 4-8 in 2019. He went 3-7 in 2021. I think he went 4-2 last season, which was nice for the COVID season. But 3-7 is a pretty bad record. Nine years is a long time to be at one program. He, he was a hell of a coach at the start of his tenure for Stanford, but these last few seasons have not looked bright for Stanford, despite some great wins. They beat USC and they beat Oregon, but they've just gone in the wrong direction since then. So I don't know what's going to happen there. I think Notre Dame gets an easy victory this weekend against Stanford, so I'm taking the Irish over the tree. Then in the SEC, I'm taking Bama over Auburn. In the last five years, Bama is 3-2 and two over Auburn. I think Bama gets a victory this weekend. Auburn got a disappointing loss to USC or South Carolina this past weekend. So had Auburn won that game, I would have probably been more inclined to lean towards Auburn. I think Bama survives a scare against Arkansas this past weekend. I don't think the same thing will happen to them this weekend against Auburn. I think they're going to be ready to take care of business to get to that Georgia game to, who knows, shock the world and, and shock Georgia by beating the dogs. But I don't think Bama succumbs to another game like they had against Arkansas last weekend against Auburn this weekend. So I'm taking Bama over Auburn. So if we take a look at my top five locks for week 13 action, we are pretty much at the end of the season now. One more time here. In the ACC, NC State over North Carolina. In the Big Ten, Michigan over Ohio State. In the Big 12, ISU over TCU. In the Pac-12, Notre Dame over Stanford. And in the SEC, Bama over Auburn. So hopefully we can go 5-0 and this weekend. That will be great for the Thanksgiving holiday season. And we shall see. It should be good football nonetheless. So I hope you enjoy it. We look at some Week 13 matchups. I just want to get to quickly here. Florida versus Florida State. Both of these teams are 5-6. and six. If you can believe it or not, they are both 5-6. and six. Whoever wins this game will be going bowling. And I think this would be a great victory for Florida State, a great moral victory if they can beat Florida and earn a bowl berth, especially considering how their season started. It looked pretty bad for them the way they started. No hope at all of them going to a bowl game the way it started. But the way they they are finishing the season is pretty impressive. So we shall see. They had a, a good victory against Boston College this past weekend, 26-23. to they beat Miami the weekend before that. They lose to North Carolina State. They lose to Clemson. Uh, they beat UMass uh, on October 23rd. But they are now 5-6. Five and five and six. If we look at Florida, they lost to Missouri this past weekend in overtime by one point. They beat Sanford. Sanford, not Stanford, Sanford. But that game was almost looking like a loss in and, in and of itself. I mean, they won 70-52, to 52, but they needed all that offense, all those points to beat Samford because they were getting beat by that team at one point. So that could have been a loss there. They had lost to South Carolina the week before that, to Georgia, to LSU. So these teams are in opposite directions, but they both have the same record, 5-6. and six. Somebody's going bowling this weekend. I'm pulling for Florida State. I want them to do it. We'll see if they can do it. We got Wake Forest versus Boston College. I already told y'all I'm going to be the biggest Boston College fan this upcoming weekend. I'm pulling for Boston College like you wouldn't even believe. 
Boston College hosts Wake Forest this upcoming weekend. But unfortunately, the home team in this series has lost five straight. So if history is on the side of Wake Forest, they will win this game this weekend against Boston College. But I'm hoping with Phil Jerkovic back, that is enough to power this team through to beat Wake Forest. Boston College is going to be up for this game because who wouldn't want to knock off Wake Forest? Who wouldn't want to stop a team that is on its way to winning the, the division? You've got a shot to, to knock this team off its path. You beat Wake Forest, they are not in the championship game in a few weeks. So I would think everybody on that roster, everybody with that program is up to beat Wake Forest this coming weekend. Come on, BC. We're rooting for you. We're pulling for you. Let's go. Then we've got Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State in the Bedlam series. Oklahoma has not lost Bedlam at Boone Pickens Stadium since 2011. They have won four straight in Stillwater. So that should be a pretty interesting game as well. Both of these teams are ranked pretty high right now in the AP poll. I think both of them are in the top 10, I want to say. I'll be watching that series for sure. So week 13 is saving us some exciting matchups in college football. And I couldn't be more pumped to watch it all play out. You got NC State versus North Carolina. You got the big game against Michigan versus Ohio State. You got the Bedlam series here. You got Florida versus Florida State. Like there's some games to enjoy this holiday season, this Thanksgiving season. So I hope you guys have a fun weekend watching college football. I hope you have a good seat at the couch. I hope you have some good food. You share some good laughs, make some good memories with your family and friends. Thanksgiving is always a fun holiday. I love Thanksgiving. I get to experience some of that holiday in Philadelphia. And then I'm going to be bouncing out to the Chicagoland area on Thanksgiving evening. I'm going to be spending that with some friends and some family in the Chicagoland area. So I could not be more excited for that. I just want to say I'm thankful for you. Thank you for listening to this episode today. Thank you for following the show. Thank you for being a friend. I appreciate the support. I appreciate the downloads. I appreciate the engagement on Twitter. You know where, where to reach me if you if you need to holler at me, at Cherry underscore picking on Twitter. Please reach out. I would love to talk college football or anything with y'all. Just let me know what you want to talk about. But hope you have a great Thanksgiving season. I am thankful for you. Thankful for my family, my friends. Thankful for my health. Have a great Thanksgiving season. Enjoy that turkey. Enjoy being with your family and your friends. And enjoy watching college football this weekend. It will be awesome. Week 13 action is here. I cannot wait to talk to y'all soon. Take care, everybody. Be well, be safe, and be good. Peace out, y'all. So I will be the biggest Boston College fan there is this entire week. I need Boston College to stop Wake Forest from winning this game this upcoming weekend. Go Eagles. Like, come on now. Let's go Boston College. We're all rooting for you. Get it done. <laughs> Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.